Hello everyone and welcome to the Lager Tops podcast with Remy, Jim and Maya. This week we're talking all about IPA. We'll also have a new segment which is the beer hater versus the beer lover and we'll round it off with a review of Wild Beer's Quantic. Delicious beer. Oh, it smells. Yeah, well, that's well, the thing well, about What does it smell of, though? That's the important thing. I'm not going to like oh, this. Stop being a <laughs> I actually really like that. I think it's great. It's actually the best wild beer I've had, I think. That's my favourite one. Maya agrees. <laughs> yeah, that's my, fa- I'm, my I'm nailing my colours to the flag. That's my favourite wild beer now. It doesn't taste as bad as it smells. That's all you're getting from me. <laughs> Glowing praise indeed. They'll put that on the website when they see that. Okay, so let's talk about IPA. <laughs> the main topic of this episode. Uh, so it's been pretty synonymous with the sort of craft beer explosion we've seen over the past sort of decade. Find it pretty much in every tap room across the land, across Europe, I'd say. I mean, I'd be pretty surprised if there was anywhere that wasn't serving one, whether it be a craft or a traditional. I think it's it was really kind of the spearhead that sort of brought craft beer and, and beer and beer brewing or just brewing back onto the map, probably in in the sort of noughties and into the tens. It's usually pretty powerful on the old hop side, and it's also got a big bang for its buck percentage-wise, usually, unless it's classed as sort of a session IPA, uh, and usually they're pretty piney and citrusy. But I thought a good way for us to sort of delve into IPA and do a bit of a give a bit of context about the old badger, is we could have the big fat IPA quiz between Whoa. Jimmy and Maya. Okay. So I'll be asking you, there is eight questions in total, let me double check. There are eight questions in total, and I'll be asking each of you the answers to them, obviously, because they're a question. But it's multiple choice, so I'm not going to be as cruel as to say, answer a question and then you've got to come out with your own answer. I will give you three. There's a choice of three answers for each question. It's just like being at university. It's just like being at university, except I cannot get marked down for my handwriting, which is obviously a big boost. I do hope Maya doesn't, can't see the answers. No. I, I would have assumed that was the case, but obviously... You've got them written in your book. Well, I know, I know what the answers are. I don't need to have them written I down. I can see the questions, but I, can't, I don't know what the answers These are. These aren't massively technical. I'm not expecting... Maya looks worried. <laughs> <laughs> is, this an, is this an open book exam? That's the the key thing. Can I have my phone? Yeah. No, go on then. Hit us off. I should be tossing up the stores. The schools? The stores. (laughs) How many quantics you had? Okay, right. So let's crack on with the big fat IPA quiz. So question number one. Let's start with the basics. Why did IPA originate? A, to satisfy a specific taste of Indian customers. B, Indian migrants travelled to the UK and brewed it to sell here. Or C, to withstand the journey via ship to India. So, I don't think it's going to be to satisfy specific taste of Indian customers. I think it's either B or C, and I'm going to go with C, to withstand the journey via ship to India. Okay, and Jim, what are you saying, mate? It's C. It it is indeed C. That's yes. Oh my god, I'm already doing better than I thought I would. <laughs> uh, yeah. So back in the day, British Empire, late 1700s, sort of early 1800s, uh, technology meant that brewing was pretty much impossible to a good standard in India because of the heat. So instead, UK brewers used to export it, troops and other 
British based demand up here uh, in in India, and they used to just pack off their normal sort of porters and normal sort of brown ales off into ships and send it round. This was before the Suez Canal, so it meant it had to go all the way down around South Africa, all the way up to India. But that basically meant that everything went nasty. Yeah, so they had to they had to brew an, a new a new they, beer. They had to up the ABV so it survived the journey, and exactly. also kind of put didn't putting extra hops in it and things like that also help it like kill off any germs or whatever it was that would go. Well, let's go through the rest of the quiz first because okay. I realise I might have accidentally given some answers. <laughs> in <my> information dump <laughs> there. You've overshot now. So it I'm is just going to good ask. job. I yeah. tuned out for all of that. Yeah. yeah. But obviously, there's one thing we haven't even covered yet. Uh, this is an, this is a bonus question. What does IPA stand for? Indian Pale Ale. Ooh, so close. India Pale Ale. No, is you were right. I just wanted to. Oh. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna top that up as extra marks though for everyone. Okay, so question two: Where did IPA originate? Belgium, the UK, or Germany? The UK. Yes, I have already given the answer <laughs> to that one unwittingly. <laughs> To be fair, I would have known that anyway. Uh, uh, Jimmy, I'm assuming you're not going to get, say Belgium or Germany. No, I'll go with England. Specifically England. Okay, so now number three. How far did the beer travel upon the seas using the Southern Cape route, according to seadistance.org? Thank you very much for this. How far did the beer travel upon the high seas? A, 5,250 nautical miles. B, 10 nautical miles, or C, 10,702 nautical miles? Okay, well, I don't I don't think it's 10, okay. just because that's so far off the other two. That wouldn't yeah. get you to France. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not sure what a nautical mile is, but I feel like a nautical mile can't be so far off like a land mile that mm. you can get to India in 10. <laughs> so, I... Because that's a hell of a run. Yeah, I'm going to guess A, 5,250 nautical miles. Okay. I decided just to spice it up that whatever Maya went for, I would go for the other one. So I'll go for C, just okay. so there's a bit of difference. So Jimmy is in fact correct. It is 10,702 nautical miles. Shock. According to our good friends at c-distance.org. And, and did you just have to popped that into their website like i plotted the route such a nerd okay cool so jim's pushed into the lead now it's four to three so question number four what did they How do is it four to three yeah we're on question because we had four. the bonus question which was what does ipa stand oh, for yeah, okay so. okay question number four what did they do with the beer when it arrived a drank it all immediately b no one is sure or c decanted it into sheepskins okay well i don't think it's drink it all immediately because what's the point in carrying it on the boat for that long not drinking it to get there to just drink it all in like an hour well the sailors wouldn't drink it even if the point was to drink it immediately would they because they'd need to get it there so that someone else can drink it immediately so i mean one thing i would say is who can really be sure of anything okay so what are you going with here but i i don't know so i'm just gonna go Balls to the wall, decanted it into sheepskins. Okay, cool. Jim, what about you? Yeah, I, I'd go with that. I mean, purely because I don't think the other two really make sense. <laughs> okay. You're both wrong. 
Oh, actually, no one, no one actually knows. So oh. there's no historical record to show what they actually did with the beer when they got there. I'm going to assume um, drink it. Yeah, they didn't like pour it in the bloody river, did they? No, no, no. They, the, everyone suspects what they did is they took it out of the cask, or they they racked it, took it out of the casks, and then bottled it, and then racked them again, and then obviously distributed them across India. But there's no like firm historical record of what what actually happened with the beer handling itself. They probably had other things to do around that time, like conquer the bloody half the world didn't they no one was sat there working out what to do with the beer or no, writing down East India, yeah they're probably come, you know busy exploiting people and yeah slavery artificially, artificially creating famines yeah a question number five what vessel did the beer travel in by vessel i don't mean the type of ship i mean you know what what sort of unit was the beer put into before it was then put onto the ship what what contained the beer so it's a bottles b cans or c casks so I don't think it's cans. Okay. I mean, I'm not great with history, but I feel like canning, I know canning of beer happened later. So you don't think maybe, you know, the beer gets to India and then it gets, you know, there and then a couple of the lads get a few cans and then go to the park. No. Have a few cans of IPA. So I don't think it's cans. So I think it's either bottles or casks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, okay, I'm going to go for a cask C. Okay, cask. Jimmy? Um, yeah, again, you did just tell us the answer a minute yeah, ago. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, I've just realised, yeah. Yeah, yeah cask, because you yes, said cask. they yes. think yeah. it goes in the cask and then they yeah. put it in the bottles. Yeah. yeah. Basically, I've completely fucked up this entire episode. <laughs> I keep missing it when you're saying it, <laughs> yeah. though, because I'm obviously just tuning out. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm not. I'm going to try and not give any information now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I T- tell us the answer to the next question yeah. in advance. Okay, so question number six. What led to the decline in IPA production? A, Indian independence. B, popularisation of lager. Or C, refrigeration. Oh, that's tricky. Okay. Well, I don't think it's Indian independence because that didn't happen until more recently, like within the last 100, 150 years. Yeah? I don't know. What what do you think? I don't think it's Indian independence. So I'm going to go with the popularisation of lager, B, because lager is now, you know, it quickly became the most popular and I can see that overtaking ale and stuff. So I'm going to go for the popularisation of lager. Okay. Jim, what are you saying, mate? I think it's refrigeration because obviously the lower temperature would mean you wouldn't have you could store it for longer and you wouldn't have to have the higher percentage also just to go for a bit of difference between what Maya's saying so we're not just agreeing with each other. Jimmy's right, yeah, refrigeration. Yeah, yeah basically. So Jimmy's Shock. pushing out into the lead. Question number seven, in which country did the rebirth of IPA occur? A the USA, B Australia, or C Poland. Mm. Mm. if it makes you feel better i don't know either yeah i don't think it's poland just because from having when i've been to poland they still seem to be mainly lagers little little pilsners knocking about lagers and pilsners and that in poland yeah so i don't think it's poland and then between the other two it's hard because obviously australia you know is quite closely tied with the uk so if it was popular in the uk when people moved to Australia from the UK, they could have taken it there and that could have sort of kicked it off there. But then also like the craft, I know that we make fun of like the craft beer stuff in the UK, but people in the the States can take it like really seriously. And so I could imagine that being a big part of the kind of rebirth. And I guess it kind of depends when it happened, but I'm going to 
stab in the dark and say A, the USA. Okay. Jim, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I think it is the US because although it's big in Australia, the US, like Maya said, is absolutely mad for the stuff. And you've got things like Sierra Nevada, which, they, you know, they sell buckets of, of IPA now and things, don't they? So I think it is the US. Yeah, you're both right. So it's around like the, the mid to late 1970s where, for some reason, as the sort of very initial restart of like the small-scale brewing in the USA kicked off, somehow they found an old recipe for IPA and kind of re-kicked the style again, which is kind of interesting. And then out of that, it kind of exploded throughout the 90s and then into the noughties, and then it rocked up back here again after it had been kind of ignored for a bit. And this is where we are. Yeah, and now we're now now fucking everything's IPA. <laughs> and finally, question number eight: How many different substyles of IPA are there now? Five, twenty-eight, or seventeen? And I'm sure this mm. is probably a point of contention, but I can't remember who I researched it with. Now, I, it was someone vaguely reliable I could rely okay, on. Okay, so let me think about this. I'm trying to think about the yeah, other think, types. Why don't you list them all, Maya? List all <laughs> the ones you know. <laughs> okay, so there's just IPA. Yeah, I've heard of a DIPA. What's that? A deep, deep. A, a dipper. A dip, a, a deep IPA. Close. <laughs> De- I'm panicking now. Delectable IPA. It's a double IPA. It's a double double IPA. IPA. So I know that there's, I know that there's that one, do and know I know what, that do there's you know a nepper is. And yeah, that's the N E I P A. New England. Yep. IPA, um, and I know that there's a black IPA. Yeah. Okay. Let me think about this. It's definitely more than five because if I, as somebody who can't, who doesn't drink IPA, can already name three, four, mm. even, then there must be more than that. Twenty-eight or seventeen, then. Yeah, I feel like twenty-eight might be. That's quite high. I feel like if there was nearly thirty different types of IPA, I feel like I'd know. I feel I like you would have you've told gotta, me you've that. You've got to remember that the world and his wife is now. Making, making their own IPA. version of IPA, but also like what, like substyle, like what, what verifies that? What yeah, I mean, I can't even remember where I got this from now. But I'm gonna say C seventeen. C seventeen, Jim. What about you? I'll go with the higher number again, just to break it up. But again, I also genuinely think it could be as high as twenty eight. It's twenty eight. 28. And I really wish I'd written down who I got that from now. Let me just look into my notes. Um, Untapped, sorry. Oh, and I've actually, I've got it completely wrong. Uh, It's actually 17. (laughs) (laughs) Maya, you were correct there. Why did he consult the notes? Even though I bungled that quiz a little bit as the quiz master. The title goes to Jimmy for the big fat IPA quiz. Shock. He won six to five. Oh, I did better than I thought I did. So, and I can't believe you almost gave him that last yeah, point. But... So it was a bloody close run thing, if anything. So IPA started off in the British Empire because there was demand for beer from the troops and other British members of staff who were in India. They couldn't brew in India because basically they didn't have the technology to brew very well uh, over there because they couldn't deal with the heat. So instead, UK brewers used to export their ales and porters. But because it had to go such a long way, because it went from port in the UK, around the Bay of Biscay, sorry, down the Bay of Biscay, onto Cape Town and up the Indian Ocean to Bombay or Mumbai, it was number one, it, it took ages, but also it actually got really hot in the decks where the beer was kept. So it got to about 28 degrees, they reckon, which combination of that heat and the time basically meant all that fresh beer just became sour and disgusting. So brewers needed to start looking at a solution for this. Supposedly, 
a brewer called Hodgson in London created like a really highly hot tail for the journey that normally would have been like the kind of thing you age in an oak barrel and it becomes kind of um, almost whiny. And that, that turned out to work quite well. So from that, a lot of brewers worked out that essentially the higher alcohol content preserved the beer a bit better, but also putting loads of hops in meant it kept fresher because hops have got antioxidant properties. There you go, yeah. And that actually kept the beer going really well by the time it, it, it reached India, and hence the birth of the name India Pale Ale or Indian Pale Ale. But then basically, as refrigeration turned up, you could brew in India or you could put refrigeration on a ship, which meant you didn't really need to do this type of beer anymore, and it kind of massively uh, fell off a cliff a touch. And then also, as we get through the late, eight, late 1800s into the 1900s, you have like the temperance movement come in in the UK, and then we also have the impact of the First World War, which really lowered the strength of beers in, in Britain. Thinned them out a bit. Yeah, and because IPA was such a high strength, it basically kind of killed off the style here. But in the late 70s, the Americans somehow got hold of it and then went really big on the hops and the alcohol content and formed sort of like the American style IPA, which is kind of the basis of a lot of the IPAs we drink now. And it kind of just flew into the, the craft beer movement. So at the moment, there's a couple of like, just to give some examples of, of current IPAs, Thornbridge Jaipur, relatively classical, quite citrusy. It's about six and a half percent. If you drink 12 pints, it gives you a horrendous hang- hangover. That's a fact. <laughs> yes. Sam Smith's reckoned that theirs is the most traditional. So they do, they do something called Indian Ale. This is supposedly really close to the original because it's the recipe they used when they had the contract to supply the army in the Victorian period. So apparently that's very traditional. But then you get loads of different new ones. So like in the UK, Tiny Rebels Club Tropicana, that's kind of on the more tropical fruity side. And that's kind of an example of a newer style. And there's a Polish IPA I had the other day. It's from a brewery I can't pronounce because my Polish is piss poor. Uh, Trzec Kumpli. And it was a pan I, pan I Pani is what they called it. It was in like an IPA in the more sort of modern style, but had loads of wheat thrown in it as well, which kind of smoothed it out a little bit and like lightened it up. Uh, and that was kind of tasty. So they're kind of come of the examples we've got at the moment. Okay, so IPA, let's have a chat about it. Do we like it? How would we describe the flavour? Why do we think it's been so popular? And then we can sort of extrapolate from there. Got a few more bits we can talk about. But yeah, let's... Do we like it? That's that's the first one. That's the big question. Maya says yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what separates a lager from an IPA? And you're like, obviously, is it? it's just purely down to taste, isn't it? The only way I can describe it is this taste at the back of my mouth that I get when I drink beers or IPAs. A sort of like, not sourness or tartness, but a sort of like my taste buds don't like it. That is the taste of hops. I think. Yeah. I think if you burrow down into it, if, so if you like, if you could, con- and obviously you couldn't, you can theoretically concentrate the flavour and someone said, right, have a bit of this. And you're like, oh yeah, that's the thing I don't like. It will be the kind of the hoppy, resiny, because you don't really get that in most pilsners and lagers. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's agreed because also when I have had a lager and I haven't liked it and I've said to Rem, oh, I, I don't like this, he's always said it's a hoppy lager. Yeah, it will be like a, a, a malty or a hoppy or a, an over-flavoured kind of version. Yeah, I mean, I would never I would never order a pint of IPA. Like, I'm drinking the Quantic. Begrudgingly. But I'm having to sort of take quite small sips and like it's the type of thing that you know if i if i went somewhere and someone bought and i got there and someone was like got you a beer mate i've got you an ipa 
I could probably like sit and nurse it, but it would take me a like it will take me this whole time to drink this three thirty can. Jim, what are your thoughts on IPA? I really like it. It does um, ticks a lot of boxes for me. You can sit and drink IPAs in my eyes all day. And the other thing is, you know, it's such a broad variety of beer, like as a family of beer, that one IPA can be p- completely different from another to the point where it's unrecognisable. And yeah, there's certainly ones out there that I like, and there's certainly ones out there that I really don't like. I wouldn't even kind of want to class them in the same family. I think that's probably why they're so popular, because as a like a base beer, you can do so much to it and still... You kind of the basic formula is so changeable. You can chuck in whatever you want, fruit, extra hops, whatever, and come up with a completely different beer and still just call it an IPA. Like you've just said, Tiny Rebel, even like Wild Brewing have got like, what, four or five different IPAs and they com- taste completely different. There's not really a lot that holds them together. If you tried them, you wouldn't necessarily, oh yeah, that's obviously an IPA. That's obviously an IPA because you can have you know, session strength IPA is like 3% all the way up to like 7.5% IPAs. Yeah. The one thing that's consistent, obviously, is like the kind of the hop profile. But mm. apart from that, there's there's a lot of variety out there. Yeah. I'm less keen. I know, I, I agree, as you say, though, it's very hard to just now say, I like IPA or I don't like IPA because it's become like the major craft family, as it were. But I think as a rule... I do, it's not like I dislike them. Sometimes I have an IPA and I really like it. Yeah. But I think I'd say probably 60% of them I find are just a bit too much. I feel like I'm being slapped in the face with a bar of soap a lot of the time. Um, but I don't necessarily... Because everyone's trying to overdo the flavours now. Yeah, they, they put so much hop, that so many either different types of hops or just put so many hops in, it just becomes overly floral. I mean, obviously, I know it depends on the hop you use because you get a different flavour profile for each one. But a hop's a flower, basically, isn't it? It's a bud. Yeah. And generally, I just find it a little bit, a bit, a bridge too far sometimes. But having said that, there are some, you know, ones I, I really like. I actually don't mind Jaipur. I think Jaipur's all right. That is actually an IPA you see on a cask, actually. Now I, speak, now I think about it. That's okay. I actually quite like this Quantic. I think the best IPA I've had was a Tiny Rebel one they had on cask. That was banging. And I can't remember what that was pre- called. You prefer all beer on yeah, cask. Yeah, I prefer all beer on cask. So it's. I don't think it's a coincidence that all the ones you're saying you like yeah. are on uh, cask. Uh, and I- yeah, flat and room temperature. Yeah, I think I, I, I don't mind the New England ones, to be fair, too much. But I think a lot of the American ones have just gone a bit mental. I think it's really interesting what you're saying about how like different all IPAs are. Because, you know, so many places now, especially in London, it's like you go in somewhere and everyone's like, well, yeah, I'll just have the IPA, I'll have the IPA. And if you basically don't necessarily really know what you're like getting, how can you just blindly be like, I'll have the IPA? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even if, say, you had like two beers... And they, two IPAs there, and they just called themselves IPA. They didn't call themselves like Nieper or like D, D, Double D H IPA or like Fuzzy Bear IPA, whatever. They were just mm. two beers called IPA. It would still massively change because maybe in the first IPA, they've just used shitloads of citra. Or in the second one, maybe they've used like loads of like a completely different hop. Do you know what I mean? And or like a mix of, of three or something like that, and maybe they've chucked a fucking banana in it or something like that, and it like even if they just both call themselves IPA. I, I generally think that really they should do away with the name. The name is now meaningless in a, in a lot of terms. Yeah. 
as you've explained, the history of the IPA is stronger percentage so it could survive a journey halfway across the pissing world. How can you say that a, a, a fruit tropical beer that's full of mango and passion fruit and pineapple that's 3.2% could survive that journey? Yeah. Obviously, it wouldn't last a week because, yeah. you know, it's, it's so full of sugars and stuff. It would just, you know, so therefore, how is that an IPA? Because it couldn't yeah, survive I, the journey. So I, I think, which is what I, I almost prefer, I, you know, some brewers now, they just call them a pale ale. I yeah. think that's that's much more acceptable for me. I, I don't think really they're not in the they're not IPAs. Mm, yeah, I definitely feel like it would fail like the Appalachian control test yeah. type scenario. Like I know that isn't necessarily a, as big a thing in beer, just because I think beer is a lot more fluid than like say wine or cheese, for example. But there is there are some still like some examples of it, like yeah, you know, Pays de Nord, Nord de Calais in France or whatever. But yeah, if you're saying it like that, like traditionally, I wouldn't say there's probably only like half a dozen, 10, 15% of the market would be able to survive the the kind of original traditional purpose, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I mean, even the really strong IPAs you get these days, like obviously Cloudwater, people like that knock out these 7.5% IPAs, but they're still probably full of fruit or full of stuff that is going to effect yeah go off in, in reality but is that is that why you think ipa has become so popular is because it's fruity ipa now is kind of like to me in the uk anyway aside from lager the most common do you know what i mean the thing you hear the most and is that because it's fruity and it's you know got all of these new flavors so people want to try it or is it because of the whole craft thing and ipa is cool and i mean now ipa is so popular it it probably isn't the cool hipster thing to drink, but you know, five, ten years ago, it was everyone was drinking IPA. So, are people drinking IPA because they think everyone's drinking IPA, or are people drinking IPA because they actually like this like fruity shit? I think originally, well, I say originally, I mean like within the last twenty years in the UK, I think IPA became big because people realised there was a beer they could have that didn't wasn't just a plain lager, or it wasn't like an absolutely terrible traditional ale or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. And they had suddenly this like explosion of flavor and within a hop, like you can have a hop that's a bit fruity or a bit more floral or whatever. And I think that introduced people to this whole realm of like, Oh shit, actually we can do loads of different stuff. Yeah. And then actually, over the beer past, doesn't like, just have to taste of a, a, a box of cereal in liquid form. Yeah. You know, it yeah. can be more than just breakfast. And yeah. And like you said, that was new to a lot of people and it, 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 it did become kind of cool and again all the kind of even as ridiculous as it sounds like the artwork on a lot of cans and things like yeah. that you know they're all quite trendy it's just i do think the fruitiness over the past five years has helped though it's, it's basically made a new drink even though you know it's made a new drink from an old drink the only thing is with it the first one tastes great but it's kind of it's always a bit of a downward slope yeah. of it's not the sort of thing you want to get stuck into for six or seven because you will start feeling a bit rough after so IPA is getting fruity. Mm-hmm. Is that for similar? Like, is that happened for the same reason as like fruity ciders? Like, for example, you you look at things like Copperberg that exploded a few years ago. That, in my mind, essentially overtook like your WKD, your Bacardi Breezer. But they they're essentially going for the same market. They weren't directed at people who you know were really into cider and and really liked traditional ciders. They were directed to make it more consumable to the masses. So 
you know, let's make a mixed fruit Copperberg. Yeah. And teenagers will drink it. Women are more likely to drink it. You know, those sort of things. And that's obviously been massively popular. So IPA is becoming fruity. Obviously, it's targeting a different group. But has have they become fruity and things like that because they're trying to expand to a bigger market than just, you know, your traditional beer head? I, I think it's mainly because like you said, the amount of brewers out there has kind of exploded recently or relatively recently. And it's very easy for people to put their own mark on something by just making the basic flavour profile and then being like, oh, let's just put a fruit in it. Yeah, pomegranate or a fruit in it and see what happens. And then, yeah, you know, if it comes out and it tastes all right or or if it tastes good, it's, it's a bit different, isn't it? And it's something people haven't had before. Everyone now has a sweet tooth because of yeah. all the sugary stuff we have. So even though they may not have sugars in it, by just putting the fruit in it, it makes it sweeter, effectively. So people are making it fruity and making it different, like making it different to the classic IPA, to be different, to have a point of difference to others, rather than to make it more appealing to the masses, which is why other things have gone fruity. Yeah, yeah. I think, and, but I think the, the it does now, as a result, fruitiness have a bigger appeal. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been like yeah. a, a yeah. happy sort of side uh, benefit, as it were. So yeah, that that was our kind of quick roundup, well, quick, not too quick roundup on IPA. Uh, if we've got anything wrong, sorry. Berate us in the comments. Yeah, berate us in the comments. All of these are opinions, not yeah. facts. Yeah, yeah, they're opinions, not facts. Uh, and I can't even run a quiz properly, so <laughs> I wouldn't rely on me for your day-to-day IPA Q's and A's. Um, but now we're going to move on to the beer lover versus the beer hater. Uh, Maya is the beer hater, as you've heard in the past sort of last 20 minutes. Uh, runs a beer podcast, doesn't actually like the drink. <laughs> I like lager. <laughs> uh, and Jimmy... Uh, really likes IPAs, basically. <laughs> Grand. So the way this is going to work uh, is a bit of an odd one, because actually Maya is going to still blind taste the, taste this, but Jimmy will know what the beer is, and Jimmy and Maya are both going to try this beer and ask them kind of a series of questions about it and just let them talk it out, and we'll see the different points of view. Because even if you're a beer hater or a lover, you know, doesn't mean you're... No guarantees either way, yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. All I'm going to say is I just don't trust the two of you to have picked something that I'm even going to be able to drink. <laughs> okay. well, the first thing I said was, let's get a sour beer. No. To which Remy's response was, Maya has forbidden the drinking of sour beers. So we've got a <laughs> sour beer. Um, <laughs> I'm just worried I'm going to make myself look like an idiot because like, I can't, I can't describe flavour. Do you know what I mean? Neither can I, in all honesty. It's one of the <laughs> things I'm terrible at it whenever I read these things. that Yeah, I can't taste that. It just tastes like beer. But obviously yeah. you, can't, you can't really say that on a beer podcast, can you? <laughs> I mean, if it makes you feel better, I haven't actually had this one either before. So although okay. I know what it is, I haven't drunk it before. Have a talk in. I'm and then gonna... I'm going to ask you a few questions about it. You can have a bigger gulp than that, Maya. Go on. Oh, that is nice. That's actually quite nice. I, thought, yeah. I knew it! <laughs> I actually thought you might like this one. See, so... Everything we've just been saying, I think, is almost summed up in 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 this glass. Yeah, it tastes like juice. Yes, it tastes like juice. <laughs> That's exactly what I mean. There's a reason for that. <laughs> so do you know that to me tastes a bit like a Bucks Fizz or something? 
As ridiculous yeah, as that sounds. I see that. The only way I can explain it as well is it's kind of got the texture of juice. It feels like... There's bits in it almost. Yeah, no, but yeah, it feels like thick and like juicy. Mm. So okay. that, that is mouthfeel. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thickness is is what they call mouthfeel, basically. Mouthfeel. Which I've always thought is a really odd way of describing anything. But yeah. It's a, it's a bit innuendo, isn't it, to be honest? Yeah. But, okay, so how would we both describe the smell? How would you both describe the smell? It's hard because I'm still dealing with the post-COVID, so my smell isn't mm. like what it always was. Okay, Jim, what, what do you reckon on the smell? Light, not as fruity... As the taste, you know, it's not mm. as it's not kind of doesn't knock your socks off the smell. I think it smells quite pleasant. It tastes like tropical juice. Do you remember that tropical juice you'd get from Tesco in like yeah, the, in the, big the milk... milk carton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. it tastes Sugar. like that. And the color? How what do you reckon the color? Juicy, I'd say. That it is, looks yeah thick. It looks thick. Yeah, it looks juicy. It looks like an exotic smoothie or something. Yeah. Okay. So. When we came up with this feature, so the reason you're tasting it blind is so that you don't have any preconception. Because I yeah. thought if the beer hater, because the beer lover we know is going to love it. Yeah. But if the beer hater had a preconception, I thought that might damage whether you did genuinely is like it, it or is not. Is it not very, is it not very hoppy? Because like from what I was saying earlier about the thing that I don't like about this Quantic is I'm getting that sort of sour or tart thing on like the back of my the palate. Bitterness. Yeah. Whereas I'm not getting any bitterness it says it's an unfiltered whatever it is with low bitterness yeah yeah that must be why i like it yeah so this question here for this feature is actually (laughs) the arguments for and against so why do you hate it and why do you love it but it sounds like on the first one we've got two lovers in the room yeah i'm i'm shocked you're shocked okay conversely i like it but at the same time I don't know if I love it, if you know what You're I mean. You're not over the moon about it. It is very like drinking a fruit juice. It is like, all I can taste really is orange. You know, if you gave this to me, I would, and I couldn't tell from the colour, I would genuinely think this was some sort of fizzy slur kind of yeah. soft drink. Thing. Yeah. You know, after everything we've been saying, I do still like it to taste a bit like beer. That is a very good point to make, is that I like this because it doesn't taste like beer. Mm. Yeah. So, like, my four for this is the fact that it doesn't taste like beer, which for probably you guys and everyone who would listen to this podcast would be a big against. Oh, don't okay. don't get me wrong. If, if you had this in the fridge and said, oh, and it was a, de- you know, a warm day, I would be I would be well up for having one. But... Yeah. I don't think I'd be going out and buying a crate of it to kind of sit yeah. and drink one evening because I just think it might make me feel a bit sicky. And also for me, it's a pretty low bar because I don't like ales, IPAs, anything other than lagers and pilsners really. Because I don't like them, the bar is really low. Mm. So then if there is one that's nice, I'm like, oh, I, you know, like the Ubu last week, I... You now love Amber Ale. <laughs> no, like, I didn't. I didn't love that, but... I liked it more than I thought I would because I don't like that. Okay. So this is probably benefiting from that. Okay. And would you would you both have it again? I would, yeah. I'd have it again. It's a nice taste. It's a nice flavour. It's it's just very juicy. But then I suppose that is kind of what they were going for. 
Mm. You can't really knock them for that because they've achieved what they set out to do. What, yeah, what they wanted to do. And to be fair, they market it like that as well. So it's not. Like yeah, yeah. Market. Obviously, my you don't know what it's called. It's the juicy IPA for uh, which styles itself as a New England Indian pale ale. Uh, obviously, lots of juice thrown in. Uh, it's brewed by no, 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 Rems. There's no what? juice in it. So no, no. This is the thing. Look at read the ingredients. It says so. It, maybe it's this tricale or whatever it is because I've never heard of tricale before. I guess as well, what they're hiding from you is you don't know what exact hop it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might have, you know, it might be one that's a specific flavour profile that does liken it to orange. Orange, yeah. So it's made by Three Ravens. So they specify that the yeast they've used is quite fruity fruity as well. And they do this. They do say that their aim is to give the impression of a breakfast juice, which, which to be fair, I, I think it does pretty, pretty damn well. Big up to uh, Three Ravens in Melbourne, but six percent though. Yeah, Yeah, that that kind of. Knocks you out, really, can't it's you? It's deceiving, can... I yeah. think. Okay, so we can kind of round off now with Quantic, our review of it, and a little bit of background about the World Beer Company. So World Beer were founded in 2012. They're based in a farm in Somerset. They, they seem, well, they advertise themselves as having a focus on barrel aging and sort of blending beers together. And their big sort of USP, I guess, is that, well, there's two, is that one that they kind of look at slightly alternative ways of fermentation and yeasts. Um, and also they use a lot of sort of forage flavours as opposed to sort of pre-prescribed normal industry stuff. Um, Quantic itself is a session IPA, so it sits down at like 4.4%. Drives itself as being pretty citrusy and piney, which I largely agree with i quite like piney stuff to be fair the predominant hop in it is simcoe what does everyone think about it okay i wasn't a big fan of this for the when i first tasted it like when i first had a sip i was actually like oh this isn't that bad because i think (laughs) it's always a good start (laughs) (laughs) because i think on the initial i got the i got the like citrusy element of it and that kind of you know overtook the the taste of beer because mm. I was like, oh, this is quite nice. It's quite light. After the first few sips, I just I just really didn't like it. Like, it was having that bitterness on my palate. Uh, like I've said, I feel about 10 times in this episode. <laughs> the reason why I often don't like beer. So, yeah, Quantic was definitely not, the like, the worst. Of the beers we've had so far that, that not Superbock included, because obviously I love that, I would pick... <laughs> Ubu over this. This isn't my favourite. And I've realised that this podcast is basically just becoming Maya's beer discovery as I try. All the different types of beer, yeah. Yeah. Luckily, there's a lot of styles. Yeah. But yeah, it's not... Not for you. But that is nothing against the Wild Beer Company or this beer. It's not you, it's me. I thought it was very fresh, kind of crisp. And I think, you know, if I'd been on like a long walk on a hot day or something like that, or if I'd like played some sort of like team sport in the middle of summer afterwards, if this was the first beer I had. You're all about the team sport, aren't you? It's got to be a team sport. No tennis or badminton for you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Or if I'd played an individual sport in the heat of summer, this would have been more, you know, I would love this afterwards. Not sure I would have had 12 pints of it, but I do think it is... Very, I, I do think it's just, it's crisp and clean and quite nice. I like the piney bits. It's probably a bit too bitter for me to be as sessionable as it describes, but generally a thumbs up from me for, for Quantic. I was going to say, it's quite a high IPA, uh, a high ABV for a session. Yeah, we need to knock that down to about three before I feel comfortable. Yeah. And, and you thought it was bitter as well? So it's yeah, not it just is a bit me. bitter, yeah. 
Jim, would you? I think you've got a few bits and bobs you want to talk about with with Wild Beer Company. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. I know how excited you get over them. I remember going to the the London Craft Beer Show and you having a little happy moment. Before we had we... to seek them out. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I, they're a good brewery. I think they're a decent bunch of folks. They um, they do. I like all their. Beer. I think they're very easy drinking. I like what they're trying to achieve. This kind of idea. They're more of like a. They remind me more of like a distillery or a, a winemaking company, the way that the barrel aging and the fermentation. They're also like a lot of breweries are trying to be now a bit like Brewdog and stuff. They're trying to be all very sustainable. Again, obviously, they're based out on a farm, a bit like you were saying last week about purity. They kind of ecological brewery should be really because everything that they use comes from the planet if you know what i mean so cornerstone should be it should be sustainable they should be having a positive impact on their environment which i think the wild beer people try and do been to a couple of the tap rooms they're always quite cool venues as well like the one down in bristol and stuff they're quite nice interesting places yeah just think they're a good brewery i think they make quite interesting beers you know not everything they do is great or i don't like but name me a brewery we like every single one of their beers yeah i think one thing about them if nothing else is they should probably be commended for kind of pushing the boundaries a bit yeah and and you know just giving it a crack I, one thing i will say really like the can yeah. yeah they have got a cool logo like the, the logo. logo's cool the stash is cool i was actually looking at the logo the other day it's only then that i realized that the antlers are not exactly the same <laughs> okay grand so what do we reckon? Thumbs up, everyone, for Wild Beers Quantic, or, or some thumbs down? It's a thumbs down from me. No, thumbs up from me. Yeah, pretty much same for me. Thumbs up. Nice, crisp, clean, full of flavour. Quite enjoyed it. Well, that's the end of our beer waffle for this week, and thanks very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the overview of the IPA style, the review of Quantic, and the exciting new beer lover versus beer hater feature. Uh, please tune in again and follow us on whichever platform you are listening on. Give us a follow on Instagram and maybe like some posts. And in the meantime... You didn't give our Instagram handle. I haven't given it because I don't know it. But... Maya, would you like to give the Instagram handle? Our Instagram handle is... At Lockertops Podcast. <laughs> so if you'd like to follow, uh, please do. And in the meantime, take care and have a good week. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.